Welcome to Running on Purpose, a podcast dedicated to training the body, mind, and soul for what the race requires. My name is Steve, and I will be your host. I'm very excited to introduce a new series and a co-host to the Running on Purpose podcast. Over the summer, I found a podcast created by a Belgian runner and coach, Kobe Blondiel, that addressed topics that I felt resonated with the essential shift in consciousness that I was undergoing around running as a potential spiritual practice. Kobe hosts the In the Zone podcast, and his early episodes were a mix of solo discussions around his experiences as an athlete and coach, around deep philosophical and spiritual modes of being a runner with his travelogue of running across Belgium. Suffice it to say, I had a little bit of envy around the courage and insightfulness that Kobe brought to these discussions. I highly recommend listening to episodes 11, 12, and 28 as introductions to his inimitable style. You'll see links to his podcast and those specific episodes in the show notes. So I reached out to Kobe to see if he would consider a collaboration. I was planning to reboot this podcast, and I was committed to a mix of solo, co-hosted, and interview types of content. And I felt Kobe, if he was game, would be a really valuable conversation partner. I think my initial Instagram message must have given him some pause, however. I mean, who is this crazy old dude vibing on his weird content? But thankfully, he respectfully responded that perhaps we could meet to explore common ground and potential collaboration. Our first conversation can be found on his In the Zone podcast under the title, Steve Sisson, Running as a Spiritual Path. And I highly recommend you give that a listen if you want a little more background on how we worked out what we were even trying to accomplish with this conversation. That episode went well enough for us to commit to an ongoing collaboration co-hosting of our discussions on each of our perspective podcast platforms. So what follows here is us beginning to work out the details on what we think we can unfold and offer the running community that hasn't ever been done before. And I mean this. I believe we're doing something novel in the space of running podcasts, and we're stating emphatically that running is a path with heart and potentially a spiritual practice that can be mined for deep inner wisdom and practical benefit to our experience of moving through space. I'll let you decide if we are successful and even if this is your particular cup of tea. In this episode, we introduce the series and discuss our points of view, setting the stage for a deeper dive into our argument framing belief as the essential starting point for any of our conversations. As Kobe summarizes in this episode, we have conscious and subconscious beliefs, most of them being subconscious, and a belief actually runs a sub-pattern in our physiology. It's something that we observe in our inner experience playing out within our body. These patterns show up in our lives, both negatively and positively, and are the programs we operate to help us filter for the good shit that we want in our life and filter out the bad shit. So running has the opportunity to become a testing ground for these beliefs and how they serve us. I provide a specific method for assessing and managing challenging feeling states using the prompt, is this real, to help with the decision-making in a training and racing environment. I also delve into what I call the natural state as our foundational and fundamental birthright, which needs to be claimed for any truthful, truly skillful approach to these challenging feeling states. The first hour unpacks the concept, but in the last half hour, Kobe and I both explore practices of meditation, contemplation, and prayer as potential practices for deepening and expanding our running experiences. There's so much good stuff buried in this episode. And I hope you'll enjoy this conversation and join us for future ones coming up in this series that I call 
The Inner Work Dialogues, Belief as Container and Fuel for Sensemaking. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. First of all, I just want to say how excited I am to have this conversation. I think we repeated that like eight times in our last recording. Yeah, yeah. But um, it is very... Kobe and I had a chance to talk yesterday to prep for this conversation, and there's just so much beautiful content that, that we're able to work through and, and think through. And hopefully those of you who are listening to this on either the In The Zone podcast or on the Running On Purpose podcast will get benefit from. If you're jumping into this and saying, what the heck is this all about? What's going on? Kobe and I already recorded an initial conversation that can be found um, in at In The Zone, his podcast. It's also going to be linked in the show notes for my conversations. Um, but the idea here is that we're convinced that running is it's possible to view running through a spiritual lens or the experience of running from a spiritual perspective. And we feel because we both resonate with that pretty strongly, that it would be a good thing to unpack and perhaps begin to create uh, a container and then practices that people can utilize to further develop their own spiritual life or their own spiritual path, whatever that may be but also to recognize running as integral to that path, as potentially a source material opportunity to test run some of the processes, practices, and concepts that, might, that are very rarely, if ever, talked about from a running perspective. And we both feel like there's a lot of real opportunity in this space and we want to explore it how how we end up putting this out to the world beyond these podcasts we're not really sure but we figured we would record them put them out to the world because we're both committed to this as a as a path with heart just spiritual path and running as a way of doing that so that's what this is all about so to get started i think one of the things that would be really useful is for us to unpack a little bit from our own perspectives what we're <clears throat> excuse me what we're meaning by spiritual in our last in that first inaugural episode we both were reticent to uh, make any clear definitive statement about what a spiritual path was because it's so idiosyncratic and unique and each person has their own but maybe if we unpack a little bit our own from a sh- in, in pretty quickly i think it might be helpful and instructive because I don't want people to just turn this off and say, oh, they're talking about spiritual things. This can't be relevant to me if they don't have a spiritual life. But what I'm going to argue is much of what most folks call mental training or psychological training has a really interesting corollary or tie-in with what Kobe and I are calling spiritual. So Kobe, why don't you unpack a little bit what you're thinking of when you think of spiritual so that our listeners can kind of ground themselves in where you're coming from. And then I'll do the same. And then I'm, we can we can talk through that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, again, I'm not going to reiterate all the time how excited I am about this conversation too, but <laughs> having said so, I have done it again. So um, uh, uh, it's got to be my practice to be more to the point, to be as informative as, as I can be without going on too many tangents. So I'm, I, I'm, this is also a spiritual practice for me. This is also me getting to know myself and this little dance uh, that Beautiful. we're going to be doing for the next couple of months as well. So I'm really, really excited about, about that. Um, but when it comes to spirituality or what is spiritual, to me, it is much more natural to talk about what is a spiritual experience and then what is a spiritual path. Like I, I would struggle to tell you what is spiritual. Um, I mean, I would say then spiritual is anything that relates to a spiritual experience, spiritual path. So what is a spiritual experience to me? To me, um, the spiritual experience uh, or the spiritual experiences that I've had is nothing but a profound grounded in my uh, being profoundly grounded in my own being. So I start to experience life much more as something that I am than as something that I do. And um, with a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about, I would love for you to be able to, if you listen to this, to be like, oh, now I experience this myself, but it's more so going to be, maybe if you hear these words, you can be like, oh, so then I probably had a spiritual experience. Or if you get curious about that, then you, as the things that we're going to be discussing later on, you can start implementing the practices, experiment with those, and then you'll inevitably, inevitably fall in that spiritual experience yourself. The beauty about spirituality or um, spiritual experience to me is simply that somehow... When you are so at peace in yourself, you start to experience really profound things like uh, unconditional love. Like generally, you start to get so excited about leaves falling from the trees, the way in which the leaves change in color. And I'm just mentioning all these because in my first uh, meditation retreat, 10-day silent retreat, I just happened to uh, be able to witness changing colors over the course of the over the 10 days. So it's just really beautiful how you start to experience a deep fascination with the most simple things you start to be so grateful you start to uh see like beauty and abundance everywhere it's like it's it's a very different way for me to relate to everyday life um compared to how i've been navigating it for yeah i would say the first 28 years and how i still experience it from day to day when i get uh, tense and afraid and pushed into my defenses so but that is all there is to um spiritual experience actually when it comes to from my perspective an incredible openness and a profound love for anything in life um uh, that doesn't mean that you can't be really powerful that you can't have very strong boundaries uh if anything because of the peace because of the stillness i start to be much more clear about all these things and i struggle much much less to be myself own my space and to call bullshit so it's this is the space the spiritual space to me, as where all these paradigms uh, develop and exist, coexist, and so I, that's also why I, I get goosebumps when I start talking about these things. It's where so much beauty, wisdom, and yeah, fascination for me with life really exists. It's where it's a space where life becomes alive, um, and so to. Uh, to bring it full circle then to me what is a spiritual path a spiritual path is any path that you can walk that brings you closer and closer and closer or not even more so closer but like deeper and also more often in contact with that space yeah in touch and that's where in touch with that space so that's where i would leave it 
for now. <laughs> awesome. That's so beautiful. One one question around that. Because the way you describe it, it was, uh, in a sense, encompassing and outside of, so inside of and outside of your life. Talk a little mm-hmm. bit about how that might be practical from a running perspective. So where yeah. you find that connection through that space. Yeah. Um, so when I talk about spiritual path, then uh, anything that gets you closer to that space, um, running is one of those ways to get closer to that closer to that space. So I feel a, a thing that is also relevant and 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 in this conversation and in understanding that touch point with running is wondering like why uh, why would we bother changing our relationship with running? And I feel when you add the spiritual dimension to running, a lot of things happen. First off, uh, you actually start to notice that definitions of success start to change. So for example, where uh, success initially was really defined in terms of results, and I still notice a lot of that in myself. Now all of a sudden, I start to notice that having a an amazing experience in running and, and success in running becomes a very different thing. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to give uh, examples further on, but then, so as you go into this uh, spiritual path and running, you start to notice that uh, your experience of running changes, but then ironically also, because it's much less about results, then also results become much more easy to achieve. So it's like, from whichever way I look at it, it's like there's nothing but winning. Like it either makes my experience of running better uh, without achieving more, but I also start to achieve more in the traditional sense um, as well. And I would say the main thing is that I I simply discovered that um, the more comfortable you are in your own body, the more open you are to any sensation, any experience that you're going through, whether it's very high energy, very low energy, being very fatigued, being injured, being um, uh, happy, being frustrated, the more open you are to all of these, the more easily energy can flow through your system, the more quickly you'll recover, uh, the more easily you'll melt into discomfort and racing. So you'll be able to, you'll have, you have a much higher threshold for pain. It's like there's, there's just so many things that happen when your body is in the, this relaxed, open, um, yet very focused state. Again, one of those uh, paradoxes that we have going on there, the more relaxed that you are, the more ability you have to focus with intent. So um, again, let's start there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, the, the thing that I want to pull out of that is that the running is allows for... Uh, a discrete, enclosed sort of container for mm-hmm. in your spiritual life that you live on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we frequently don't reach the depths of ecstasy or the depths of despair the same way we mm-hmm. do when we're running and training for an event. And so running provides this uh, a, this ability to to play in these fields without... Mm-hmm. With where the where the stakes are still pretty high, but they're not really existentially mm-hmm. high. Yeah, they're they're exactly. high in the relation to the event itself, yeah. but they're not high mm-hmm. in terms of terms of who is Kobe or who is Steve. Yeah. It's more along yeah. the lines of yeah. the Kobe that's running right now is going to focus in this space with a spiritual more of a spiritual lens as you're what you're defining mm-hmm. as a spiritual lens, or we're 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 poorly defining as a spiritual lens because that's what 
we have available to us when we know mm-hmm. it's not really definable. But we're trying mm-hmm. just to give people a frame. Mm-hmm. I think this is mm-hmm. why I'm so excited about our conversations is that mm-hmm. for people who may want to run away from a spiritual conversation, they're dealing with things in a training and racing perspective. You know, I have 40 plus years of 30 to 40 years of coaching experience and 50 plus years of running experience. And I know that what people are feeling when they're under great duress in a race is a conflict of spiritual. It's an inner mm-hmm. conflict. It's a conflict of the insides with mm-hmm. the external view that they have of the world. They're not aligning. And so there's a problem. And that mm-hmm. problem then becomes, either they, even if they don't phrase it as spiritual, they're phrasing it as an inner experience. And many times when they quote unquote fail, they have not risen to the level of the challenge from an internal perspective. This is why mm-hmm. I like to use the term um, inner work for mm-hmm. what we are really going to be working on. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe eventually we end up calling it something like that so that the spiritual tag mm-hmm. doesn't have to get yeah, people confused. Exactly. I mm-hmm. think of psychology, especially psychology since 1850 or so, as the once once God, quote unquote, died, in the words of mm-hmm. Nietzsche, who didn't declare God dead, just noticed that science mm-hmm. had seemingly put uh, uh, the nail in the coffin of that as a truly worldwide effective way of looking at the world from a mm-hmm. scientific perspective. There was no mm-hmm. place for God in philosophy or science the way that there mm-hmm. had been before. And then mm-hmm. psychology comes in to try to deal with many of the complications around that metaphysical loss, that there's not, there's mm-hmm. not this ground, this what, what the philosophers call ontology or what's reality. Like what even is real is then, then science is moving in to take that up, but science doesn't have the ability to deal with the subjective inner experience. And so psychology mm-hmm. sort of rises up in that space. And so for me, much of people can call it psychological or people can call it spiritual. That's up to them. I do think when we think about things from a psychological perspective, though, many of the attributes you were aligning there with, talking about openness, a sense of awe, a feeling of deep interconnection, um, a understanding of the relationality of you to the outward world and then skillful means for working between your inside and your outside, psychology does not seem to really be able to scratch that itch for me. Hmm. Um, it wasn't for me. You know, my, and my journey hmm. went from a strict fundamentalist Christian background into an atheist point of view mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I couldn't align with it anymore, but then I could not deny that I had this need for that interconnectedness. I felt mm-hmm. it. But I yeah. do think that there's another avenue here for spirit if people want to lock into it. And these are I'm, I'm mm-hmm. saying this to those out there who may be feeling like they want to know where we're coming from, but they're still an atheist. And so they're like, why would I need the spiritual sort of not even av- available to them as a mode? I would mm-hmm. just say connecting with nature and the experiences that most people feel in nature, and most runners are sensing and feeling in their experience of communitas at a start line or with others en route or in their training that they have these feelings of interconnectedness with 
the weather, with the woods, with each other, mm -hmm. with themselves. That is the space I'm kind of talking about that I think even mm -hmm. an atheist can connect to. So if I use the capital N for nature, maybe that's a holding mm -hmm. space for those who don't want to deal with or are traumatized mm -hmm. by God, mm -hmm. nature, or what God might be. But even mm -hmm. for those of us, those of us who have had a felt experience of direct experience with Jesus, like I did when I was a younger boy, I still sense that these these feelings I have now as a post-Christian, and I'm not saying that as a good thing. Believe me, there are many struggles around being a post-Christian. <laughs> but mm -hmm. just that I can now relate to those sensory experiences, those felt experience, and those deep ways of being when I was a younger boy, mm -hmm. I find them in nature. And so nature then mm -hmm. becomes a holding space for this. Um, mm -hmm. Again, there are. we are going to now stop trying to argue for the spiritual part to those. Mm -hmm. So if, if at this point you're still like not buying it, Kobe and Steve, feel free to move on to the next podcast you have in your list mm -hmm. and, and don't mm -hmm. necessarily toggle this one. Although come back to both running on purpose and in the zone because we don't always mm -hmm. talk about these things. We're just going to be talking about these things together and not necessarily in a way because we want to explore it and we think there's a need. Mm -hmm. We can't find this in the world at this mm -hmm. point. So we're mm -hmm. creating what we haven't been able to find. Mm -hmm. So I think that yep. that that's to me what I would sort of frame the spiritual as, as really inner work. And then mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can then use this as sort of mental training or mm -hmm. mindset or creating mm -hmm. nervous system yep. alignment in a way that mm -hmm. is more naturalist, more naturalistic, more realistic rather than supernatural. Um, and just mm -hmm. for clarity, my version of spirit is super as one word and natural as another word. What mm -hmm. I believe is that this is just a natural expression, the human experience, part of our expression of being animals, high-end animal, you know, higher functioning animals or, or lower functioning animals, animals depending on our, our skillful means or relation. Mm -hmm. um, we, we really, we really are in a space where, uh, this is relevant, I think. So, um, so one of the things we were really hoping to do with this, this series, however many we end up doing, is to produce a potential step-by-step -step path. Not that we're going to go through it and say there's step one and there's step two and there's step three, but more like, hey, start with these things practically. Because so much of what is talked about in many spiritual paths is more about the, 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 the foundations of it all rather than the practical application of it. Mm -hmm. uh, because yeah. that for a lot of people, that's an individual path of how they deal with that. But mm -hmm. what we're hoping to do is to bring forth pro frames and then processes or practices to help mm -hmm. encourage this act, these activities in a running, in a running way. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, I talked to you about this the last time. I think it's really important that we hit this idea around belief, mm -hmm. what I call view or worldview, as being essential ground for even having these kinds of conversations. Not that we agree, but more along the lines that we believe something. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be very hard to take any of this seriously if you don't believe 
<laughs> it's a container and a fuel for any kind of inner work that you believe you have an inside that's separate from the outside or different from the outside, even if that may not be a physical truth or scientific mm -hmm. truth, but you have an experience of it. So this is a belief is just an essential ground or field in which any of these conversations will be had. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to turn it back on you again and say, Kobe, what do you believe? So if I mm -hmm. say, if you have to, let's, we're going to work, we're going to do some inner work and we're going to talk specifically about meditation, contemplation, and prayer in the back half of this episode. But when I say, what do you, what do you believe? Where's the, where are you coming from? So you just shared with me what experience of spiritual is, but where mm -hmm. is that? How are you, what are you believing about that? I think this is important because it gives a really salient touch to how it shows up. Mm. Mm. I know we talked about the um about this one yesterday, but somehow you still still catch me off guard with a question. It's like <laughs> ca can you expand a little bit like what is there a specific topic? Yeah, so I'm making a that, I'm making a blanket statement that says mm -hmm. you need to believe in order to work on any of this stuff. You need some kind of belief. Mm -hmm. You got to be operating yeah. from some kind of ground. What you mm -hmm. were describing before was the experiences of that ground, the experiences mm -hmm. of but when you, I when I when I hold you down about it, when you go through mm -hmm. tough times and you're mm -hmm. not feeling that connection, mm -hmm. you're not feeling that engagement, you're being yeah. you're out of alignment, then mm -hmm. what is it that you're trying to get not the experience you're trying to get to, but the thing that mm -hmm. will bring you back. And I know mm -hmm. this is complicated. Mm -hmm. When I talk about this with my athletes, many times they, they really push mm -hmm. back on me. I, I don't need, you don't need to know my worldview or you don't need to know what I believe. Mm -hmm. And I say to them, I may not need to know, but I'm way better at doing my job if I can mm -hmm. remind you about the thing you're telling me you believe in. Because one yeah. of the hard things about belief is it's always gonna get shaken. Because it's mm -hmm. there's no real sense of truth around mm -hmm. these kinds of topics. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be some kind of faith or trust or feeling state that's hard to pin down in a way that anybody mm -hmm. else could deal with. But it's relevant to you. So, mm -hmm. And you may say, oh, it's a feeling state. That's totally fine. I believe that a more optimal feeling state is the better place to be. But I doubt mm -hmm. that's really what you believe. So mm -hmm. what does that help mm -hmm. you frame it? Yeah, it it does help. It does help because uh, I definitely don't move through life as much as I used to anymore. And having like these this very this list of very strong beliefs, it's like uh, one of the beliefs I feel I almost have is like the the fewer beliefs, the easier my life really ends up being. But when it comes to like, for example, today is a very good example. I'm. I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just felt really angry, low on energy. I've been sleeping in the afternoon. I was like, it, it messed with my plans. And so I feel it's a, it's, it's a, it's an, an, an example of where I'm not connected to that space. I'm not like, this is like, uh, yeah, I don't know if, if, if I could be uh, cursing on that. I don't know how sure, you're I'm, 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 My yeah. audience like gets F-bombs, <laughs> so don't worry. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like really fuck this shit this is like so what is all the spiritual stuff I don't care for it I just want this to go away but then when it really comes down to it um, I just I would I would dare to say I know that this space 
um, where I'm at peace exists. So I act as though it exists. So that's also why I embrace all the discomfort, all the frustration, all the things that I don't like happening, just as opportunities to practice, to uh, reaffirm my belief in that space, and actually to just that's that's just the way in which I then return to that space. So it's a very cliche way to 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 put it um, with the saying of like, I no longer believe that things happen to me. It's like, I, I, I have chosen to believe that they happen for me. So as if something uncomfortable happens, I'm, I just no longer default to the victim uh, way of looking at it. It's just really okay. What, what am I invited to rise to? And um, yeah, so I, I go deeper in my meditation. I go, um, I go deeper into my body. I feel more. I mean, that's at least when I'm aware of it, when I have mustered the courage and go into the uh, discomfort. And then I, I always come out on the other side so much more quickly than I, than I would, um, than I usually expect. So uh, I think the, the first belief then that, that all, or the belief that this oil bo- all boils down to is simply I have experienced that space and I have de- decided that this space is real. So I live in alignment as though it is real. Um, and I think something I want to add here is that um, I honestly, I still am not like, I haven't had, maybe you can have experiences where you go into this Jesus-like state of being and you know this is, just the way things are like heaven is real hell is fake like another thing one more tangent and then i'm gonna get back to the initial point i feel Take also because you've had you have such strong um experiences of um very traditional christianity i don't know if, if i'm putting it the right way which is very very similar from where i'm from i'm also very curious to hear how this conversation is going to evolve around that because I don't, I rarely use words like God or prayer or any of those because they just, just simply haven't been part of my, my, my upbringing all that much, except for some funerals and some, uh, when, when people get uh, introduced into the church. So, um, uh, same thing, um, same thing goes here that when I, when I, when I talk about heaven and hell, it's like I'm not literally talking about the way that most that I used to think about heaven and hell, not he- hell being like this burning place in heaven. So I feel when you're listening to this, um, there's more that's here uh, for me to unpack, but I, I also feel there's power in use just using these words, knowing that there's they have much more profound meanings than I have given them in the past. So, um, and... And in that sense, so going all the way back to my to my first point, that is where I have uh, I can't say for sure that the most true experience or that the essence of truth is my experience of peace. Maybe there isn't. Maybe if I had chosen different beliefs, then I would experience hell as being true. And and so I'm the way I have experienced it up until this point is that there's just a choice that you can make and there's a choice you have to make. Like if you have never consciously made this choice, going back to what you were saying, then you're just being a pink ball between all the the things that are going around you. So um, I think it's also Einstein that mentioned like there's one fundamental choice that we all have to make. Like do you live in a hostile or a friendly environment? And I have decided that I live in a friendly environment. Um, 
even though that doesn't mean that there's not uh, all sorts of crazy people out there. So, um, and I feel the more I actually act on that belief, the more my experience of life is arranging itself in that way and the more I experience life in that way. So um, when bad things happen to me and I run into crazy people, then it's again, what is this here to teach me? How can I be more open? How can I be more accepting? But also how can I be more firm and, and clear in my communication that I don't tolerate this? So um, that is how I would answer. Like, what do you believe? It's like, I have chosen this belief that, the world can work in harmony that I can love unconditionally and I can always grow deeper uh, into myself every single time I get challenged and I want to believe that this belief isn't, isn't, isn't true. So um, I don't dare to say yet with capital T truth that, that <laughs> that's really what the world is like, but I like it better this way is what it boils down to. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And the meandering reveals like sort of wandering through to, to pick the, the piece up is mm -hmm. what I feel about belief has so much to do with the way humans operate. We mm -hmm. are pattern makers. We have to mm -hmm. make pattern because mm -hmm. everything seems uncertain at a, at a mm -hmm. core level. You may say to me, no, that's not my experience. Well, that's because you have a lot of patterns. Mm -hmm. Another mm -hmm. word for patterns are habits Mm -hmm. I prefer pattern because it habit sometimes has a tendency to uh, have people feel that they shouldn't have them or should have them. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a value judgment that kind of comes around um, habits mm -hmm. that patterns don't. And mm -hmm. I think what we've found in terms of efficacy for any physical endeavor or any endeavor at all is that mm -hmm. a person needs that grounding of patterns in order to mm -hmm. effectively act towards the goal or mm -hmm. objective that they set. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't have a belief that those mm -hmm. core things are going to work, then mm -hmm. you're going to have a very hard time sticking to it because mm -hmm. you're going to find a different set of patterns that make sense. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is belief is fundamentally that the, what you're doing makes sense. And, mm -hmm. and like you said, maybe you don't know exactly the, 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 <laughs> the both the the physics and mechanics of it right in the real world and how that plays out and operates or you may not have a cosmological lens or a way to to frame that around what the world is and how we operate mm -hmm. in the world i'm mm -hmm. super into these kinds of questions this is mm -hmm. what i spend 90 percent of my time thinking about and wanting other people to talk and think about mm -hmm. but it really only matters that it works for you and one of the way I like to bring this up about belief is we know how beneficial placebo is. And what is going mm -hmm. on with placebo at this point is that mm -hmm. your body is aligned with the belief that this is going to provide you relief from your symptoms. Mm -hmm. I think of much of what I do in training as an ath my athletes is placebo. There are parts mm -hmm. of this that are absolutely physiologically doing some work. And there's parts mm -hmm. of it that are just purely pattern recognition set. So the athlete feels a consistency of turning the screw and it's turning mm -hmm. the right direction. And they're finding and feeling a feedback mm -hmm. loop that's moving them towards their goal or mm -hmm. where they're at. But for any of that to work from a mechanistic perspective, it requires belief. 
in me, in the system, in the way human physiology operates. But again, when we talk about physiology, we're only talking about humans interpreting through a scientific reductionist lens what the physical body is doing, and therefore we're calling it VO2 or threshold Mm -hmm. or whatever. And Mm -hmm. very rarely are we even capable of really nailing down the definition of those things. And they're all done in artificial environments with, with all kinds of probes put in your mouth and you're running on a, tre- a tre- and on, on a treadmill and the conditions are set to create challenge and drama, none of which really play out in the day-to-day workings of training. Not that I'm saying that those things don't matter, but what I'm saying is if I give you a workout, you believe that the workout's going to work. Mm-hmm. And the better I am as a coach, the more I give you reinforcing those reasons, reinforcing those patterns or habits Mm -hmm. of staying in that belief. So that's Mm -hmm. what I mean when I say belief. Yes, I do think Mm -hmm. a worldview overall Mm -hmm. big picture is very useful and Mm -hmm. helpful. But some of us are still working out what we believe, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's okay, too. I feel like in a lot of ways, I I spent so much time as a seeker in my life. After I Mm -hmm. lost my faith, I was seeking all the time. And that's what Mm -hmm. I sense in you. I feel Mm -hmm. you are my brother and that you've had Mm -hmm. these glimpses of of something more, something else, Mm -hmm. something both deeper and expanding more. And you're working through what all those things are. But you mm-hmm. no longer doubt their their validity or the validity of your experience and mm-hmm. the potential that that way of seeing the world is better than a nihilistic less one. But someone who's a nihilist could very easily take their belief system that says this mm-hmm. is pointless and meaningless and no good reason for it whatsoever and still have a spiritual experience around it from my perspective or an inner experience of saying, well, it's absurd. So let's just do the work anyway, because I Mm -hmm. get this feeling state that I really desire when I cross a finish line, I feel Mm -hmm. a certain way and that makes Mm -hmm. me feel better. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I mean, I I don't know to me, I'm being, I'm banging on nihilism because to me it's the, the toughest, uh, belief structure to to function in a positive mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. towards the future of humanity or the planet mm-hmm. or anything else but i want to show that i think that it's still a container this inner work is still can't be contained within that kind of point of view and that that person that nihilist believes that there must be some benefit to it to mm-hmm. for them for that right mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. what i'm doing is just trying to set a in a sense, an argument for why this stuff works. But it only works if you believe. Mm -hmm. So clarification and working through your beliefs, jettisoning old beliefs, trying to work through new ones can be helpful Mm -hmm. to people in a seeking mode. But to those people who are already in a believing mode that they know where they stand Mm -hmm. and where they're at, um, it's Mm -hmm. better to lean in with that and use it Mm -hmm. until it shakes a little bit and then you're trying to go back and say, do I need this or does this work for me? Um, but mm-hmm. but running is a way of really doing that in a way that doesn't feel so existentially troubling mm-hmm. or yeah. that it's going to really impact. Because I think when yeah. a runner really goes through their worst, lowest point, they're going to their worldview or their belief structure, that deep core belief, whether they're recognizing it or not. And mm-hmm. I feel like everybody that I've worked with who's cognizant of that view or that belief mm-hmm. and can mm-hmm. hold it 
they much more quickly bounce out of the negative feedback loops or the space mm-hmm. because they yep. know that, believe that, and know that in their experience to be the most efficacious way. So I loved how mm-hmm. you brought it in and said, I'm not sure I know, but mm-hmm. I know. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure what I believe exactly, but I believe. And so mm-hmm. therefore, I'm going to operate this way because it continues to give me better, more positive feedback loops. Mm-hmm. And that to me yeah. just seems to be an argument for itself. Like, okay, so boom, mm-hmm. what else do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, exactly. Even though I would, I would always, I think it's also something that we mentioned in our, uh, in our conversations uh, that we've had leading up to this. I, I, I feel everybody really has to experience for themselves. I have tried the nihilistic path really, really profoundly. And I also feel I had to try it. And I'm also happy I came out of it in a kind of positive way or the way that I did, because I know it can also lead down different paths that are not leading to my experience of life that I'm now having. Um, And um, at the same time, I'm also trying to like maybe, maybe summarize or or, uh, let me summarize and then ask me, ask you how you how how the sounds to you because it feels like the way that we've we've been talking about beliefs and and the function of running in that spiritual uh, endeavor is that we have all conscious and subconscious um, uh, beliefs most of them are subconscious and a belief actually runs as a pattern in our physiology it just it's it's cemented in ourselves it's something that we actually observe in ourselves if you ask if you ask me what are my beliefs then actually i should do some meditation sit down and notice how different triggers are affecting my physiology and then i can tell oh i for example uh, yesterday, I still noticed, wow, these guys have huge podcasts and they have been uh, um, uh, contracted by Spotify for a 7 million yearly contract. Wow, these guys are very special. And then in that moment, I noticed, oh, damn, I am not I am not as special as those guys. So apparently, I have a belief running in my physiology that I am not special enough or that I am not worthy enough if I don't have as big of a podcast. The beauty is, and that's where the spiritual realm comes in and where you can also maybe to bring it back to to running. When I'm disappointed when I don't cross the finish line in the sub-220 marathon, when that was my goal, I notice that I believe that I am not worthy of being called a runner if I don't run this particular time. And then the beauty is for me to notice, oh, there's a belief. I did not consciously pick that belief but can i be aware of that belief and the space in which you are aware is again the spiritual space and so then to me running is nothing but a testing ground of those beliefs what are those beliefs and how much are they serving me Um, and so it becomes this constant iteration of noticing wow when i stop attaching my self-worth to my finish time my experience of running goes way, way up because now I'm much more open to just having fun with my friends and trying and really loving going all out and pouring your heart into something and then also noticing that it boosts my, boosts my performance. So it's like, wow, this belief functions much more optimally. And then we can maybe go later into how do you rewire new beliefs in yourself, even though I want to say also when I am in the most and the deepest state of being that I've experienced, I notice that it's though as I no longer need beliefs to function or operate. It's like I'm so aware and so grounded in this moment, like cliche things like time ceases to exist and all this stuff, that I am 
just noticing what is happening in front of me and what is the most loving, most free, most expanded action I can take. And I no longer operate so much so on the uh, beliefs that are wired in me in a, in a physiological way. And I need those um, patterns because I'm not always in that state of being. So I now know that I, I no longer disregard my body and the patterns and the physiology, the mental emotional patterns that run in my body. I'm like, I need those and I better optimize those when, I, my, my, when my head goes ab uh, below the water again when I'm no longer grounded in being, when I'm very active, when I have a strong ego, and when I'm constantly pissed off, <laughs> then I want to have those backup beliefs running much more efficiently and help me get back to that open state of being um, yeah, as, as quickly as possible. So that's also something that I kind of want to interject and also ask you, like how much does this align with your understanding of belief or does it differ what's helpful, what's not helpful? So what you're describing is what I would call gnosis, that experience okay. that you're describing. Gnosis is a Greek mm. word for knowledge, but it's mm. not intellectual knowledge. Yeah. It's, mm. the so it's the full Monty. It's mm -hmm. direct. Sometimes it's, 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 it's defined as direct experience, mm. direct mm -hmm. knowing, knowing mm. at a deep, deep level. Mm -hmm. And this requires only one belief. Mm. And so therefore, and that is natural goodness, all okay, right? Yeah. Natural goodness, uh, natural the natural state is all yeah. good all the time, mm -hmm. always. And good is yeah. not even the right term, but it's, the natural yeah, yeah. state is, always <laughs> is, is always in all, in all times, in all places, and all I do is be in that. Yeah. Now, my human description is good or bad yeah. because I need but, to frame it. Yeah, right? but that's, that's wired in your beliefs, right? Correct. Your understanding of good is so... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so you, what we're doing is yeah. deconstructing belief and yeah. using Sweet. that which Sweet. works. So that Sweet. which works, Sweet. as I said, Sweet. belief is a container and fuel for what mm. you want. And if you mm -hmm. don't like your beliefs yeah, or yeah. you don't like your outcome, go back mm -hmm. to your belief because it Sweet. is also just a pattern. It's just a human pattern of necessity in order for your nervous system to calm down and do what it needs to do. Sweet. But if the nervous system, if we didn't have all this created pattern all the way around mm -hmm. us, if mm -hmm. we were... And I'm not arguing to go back to caveman days or anything. They all had their own troubles and their own problems too. But yeah, yeah. we really are so far away from our natural state, mm -hmm. from gnosis, that, mm -hmm. that it becomes really hard to see the forest because of mm -hmm. all the trees of belief. Yeah, so yeah. there's a one fundamental natural state, but mm -hmm. all these instances of pattern of belief are are in the way of seeing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I love that term. Mm -hmm. Like you can't see the forest from, for the trees. And, and these are these, these belief structures that are there and mm -hmm. they're necessary. They're normal. Mm -hmm. They're natural mm -hmm. also, but they're only natural, not as any, not as in a, yeah. not as a, as a fundamental human state, but the process of us trying to navigate in a world mm -hmm. that has number one, always seemed us versus them or at least mm -hmm. been described to us in our mm -hmm. 21st century iteration of 
of evolution and Darwinism is this constant battle for the survival of the fittest, which really, mm-hmm. if you think about that belief, how, how hard, how big a mm-hmm. container and how much fuel yeah. is that container for everything? Mm-hmm. And what I'm mm-hmm. arguing is, is it really real? I'm mm-hmm. not arguing whether or not there's a pattern of things that show out from the, you know, the, the fossil record and all these other things that we've seen that we, it's the best theory, but in essence, mm-hmm. it is designed to be a theory, a belief structure in which to hang a bunch of other things around to operate. Mm-hmm. But you're capable. And actually, I think to be a fully operational human being, you're required mm-hmm. to go through your own check of whether that works for you. Yeah. So, and I want to, I want to, I want to un- unpack that because I feel that is like the essence. And and I don't know, maybe you segue into our practices or not. But um, how do you evaluate if something works or not? So, uh, my first go to is check my feeling state. I'm I'm mm-hmm. a big believer, as you stated, that the body is constant. It is the body is already in a natural state. It's always mm-hmm. in a natural state. What goes on is that my thinking primarily is working against my belief mm-hmm. structures and my thinking is working against mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. body's natural functioning. Now, yeah, I'm can, not. Can you give some examples of that? Sure. So the so if I'm in the middle of a run and I am pushing really really hard, mm-hmm. and I f- get this sense, I can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do one thing first. This is this has been a go-to for a while. I first ask, is it real? So mm-hmm. that's the first thing. Is it real? Like, mm-hmm. am, am I really going to die? <laughs> right? And the answer is always no. You know? So then I'm, so, and, and, but sometimes you can't get out of that. Sometimes, no, yeah, it does feel like I'm going to die. So then the first step is just to say, okay, the body's telling me to slow down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I check my feeling state. It's like, uh, is this is something going on between my ears rattling around mm-hmm. about the ego or my identity or what's it going to look like if I don't? Or am I even mm-hmm. enough to meet this? Like the body mm-hmm. is always enough to meet whatever's there, but it, mm-hmm. main, it doesn't relate to your goal time or your what mile you are mm-hmm. in the in the context of a hundred mile race where you need to make it to the finish line or mm-hmm. where you are at in terms of whether you can run the next lap in a 5k at the pace you need to your body just mm-hmm. says are we moving towards a natural state are we moving towards mm-hmm. now sometimes the natural state when we get in those flowy spaces it's just like whoo like <laughs> perfect powders on a ski slope where everything's and you're a skillful skier and you're just carving into life and feeling it in a lot of ways. This is my experience of trail running is why I have fallen in love with it so much. Catching the line and following the line. I'm like aligning my own inner nature, my natural state with the natural state of the earth and the Mm -hmm. natural state of the things that are showing up. Sometimes I'm climbing up a hill, but rarely do I ask, is it real in that state? I'm like, Mm -hmm. but of course it's real. (laughs) I'm having this, I'm engaged in this natural state. So Mm -hmm. now Let's say another situation is I have a, a pain in my ankle mm-hmm. uh, and I have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Where, do, where do I go with this? Is this something mm-hmm. I'm going to push through? Old Steve, the Steve that, that was a really very much a warrior, was all about uh, get to the finish line no matter what and, and no matter mm-hmm. the cost. Mm-hmm. It's just you finish and you mm-hmm. put everything into it. And then mm-hmm. as I got older, I realized – oh my gosh, I can't even match up to what my younger self was. 
So then I started looking for reasons why my ankle might be a problem, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so what's weird here is that what I'm doing is I'm describing a multifactorial, like a, mul a, mm -hmm. like a, like a multifacetal experience of being young and growing up and having these. Mm -hmm. But again, these are patterns and beliefs that I have mm -hmm. about this. So my ankle, that's hurting right mm -hmm. now. Or is mm -hmm. it hurting? Do I keep going? And mm -hmm. what I feel now much more is I just ask my body. I just get into my body. And I have, I have specific techniques. One that works for me really well is what I call honey. So I just pour honey over my body. Mm -hmm. And I start yeah. usually from the top of my head and roll down. Not literally, right? Not just literally, but just yeah, yeah. I, I call it honey because that's the best feeling state experience of what I'm looking mm -hmm. for is mm -hmm. a warmth that's coming down my body. Um, mm -hmm. and all the way through, you know, when I was a kid, it was like pee. Oh God, mm -hmm. you know, like the, what it feels like to pee. But as I got mm -hmm. older, it's like, oh no, it's actually something else different, but it just feels like that. <laughs> and I, and you can also do that from the ground up or you can, mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to play with that. We'll probably talk about that at some point, but I just use these, um, little tools to try to get aligned with my real core belief. Mm -hmm. And the first step is, is it real? Just to find mm -hmm. out what part of Steve's um, worry about his identity and his ability to mm -hmm. reach his goals and all the things that are important mm -hmm. patterning for us to be effective in the world, at least in the world we live in, but really aren't resonant with my core value. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I'm 54 years old. There's been a many, many years of really hard work at this. When I was 35, mm -hmm. I was not good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just saying that what I'm trying to put out to the world here is to say, I wish I'd known this when I was actually, I wish I had known this when I was 16 or 17, because it mm -hmm. would have helped me the most then. Cause you just said, is it real? Is my goal real? Is it really where I want to be? What am I really looking mm -hmm. for? And at the end of the day, what yeah. I was always really, really looking for was feeling that natural state of joy and aliveness in my body. Mm-hmm. And others gave me praise for that. Mm -hmm. And eventually that praise turned into what I was instead of the natural feeling state. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. even in deep pain, the natural feeling state was always better mm -hmm. than being on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. I always think this is funny. So many people say, oh, I'm not going to go run today. And as soon as everybody else goes out running, they're like, oh, God, I should have gone out running. Mm -hmm. We're FOMO about it, right? We get that fear mm -hmm. of missing out. And why mm. is that? Because we know that the, what we're really searching for is a natural feeling state, is this inner state, this feeling space. And I'm, you know, how often do I get into that space? I mean, as I'm slowed down and not really training or focused on a, an event, nearly every time, like nearly mm. every run. I don't always stabilize mm. that. I don't hold it for extended windows of time. But mm -hmm. I believe that's my natural state. And I believe mm -hmm. that this is why I run. And then mm -hmm. every challenge that shows up in the workout itself is highlighting areas I can work on to get better mm -hmm. at it. Or to, mm -hmm. so my hip will start bothering me. Oh gosh, I really do need to do some of that band work and that physical therapy that my PT gave me. And I just keep mm -hmm. avoiding it because I don't think it really works. But all of, mm -hmm. somebody's like, well, why are you going down this road? Because what do I really believe? I, I, mm -hmm. I, cannot, I cannot overemphasize this. Almost everything is operating out of your belief structure, whether you've, ex mm -hmm. whether you've worked on it or not, whether you've mm -hmm. really put it under pressure or not. And believe mm -hmm. me, as I talked about in that first episode, the marathon and ultra, 
they're going under pressure. They're going mm -hmm. to be squeezed and you're going to be reduced to this moment of asking mm -hmm. yourself if you're aligned with your feeling, with your natural feeling state. And mm -hmm. th that's my experience of it. I cannot call that a universal, although I've had enough people tell me that when they really, when they, re when they hear that and they experience it themselves, when they hear it as a guidance, just to say, attempt to try to guide yourself over to what it is you're really looking for. But I call it that embodied somatic experience. I like to use the felt sense as my term for that. The feeling, and that's because it's a feeling space, but it's also sense making. It's making sense of mm. what's going on. Because mm. I'm so discursive in my thought that I'm not a good thinker. Mm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a high quality rationalist and an intelligent human being, but that's not my best operating space. Mm -hmm. And I would argue I don't think it's anybody's best operating space. I think that mm -hmm. the, the, all those cultural accretions of poor beliefs and poor patterns of patterns of behavior really do obscure this natural feeling state that we're all looking for. Mm. And you find mm. it in children. Um, I run with I have a I have two dogs that I run with consistently. It's always there in them. There the, when mm. I'm when I'm looking for a model of ideal feeling state, I just look over at my mm. German short hair pointer and. Believe me, he's mm -hmm. he's not wondering mm -hmm. about whether his ankle hurts him or not. Right? He's mm -hmm. like, should he stop? Should he keep going? It's like, mm -hmm. no, this is this is the definition of who I am and what I do and what I'm supposed to be doing in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, I don't get to live out my whole life on a trail. Mm -hmm. So, but it's instructive just to re just to bring this full circle. It's instructive for how running then can then be unpacked in the rest of my mm -hmm. life. So if yeah. I'm doing work. If I'm sitting there not wanting to put out my next body of work or feeling uh, like tight and, and constricted and afraid, or like you said, sort of tired and sleepy and maybe alone, lonely or alone in some sense, I just ask myself, what am I feeling now? And what, what is this feeling state? And is it real? And more often than not in those states, when you notice your moods like that, it's real. Mm. But but now you can unpack it and say, okay, it's real. Mm. So I'm not lying to myself. I'm not full of shit. I'm mm. real. But what is that? And now that mm. exploration can happen. And I do know that some people don't want to do that. And mm -hmm. my, I I I can. Let me say, I can sympathize with not wanting to do that. I can't empathize with it. So I sympathize mm. with the that, but I immediately say you're just missing the whole, I, you know, I do have one area where I think you're missing the whole point, which is we're supposed mm -hmm. to be alive and feeling with our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. the main point. And if we do mm -hmm. that effectively, we're good and, or we're mm -hmm. getting better and we're getting more mm -hmm. skillful because if you're, because your body is a, it will heal itself. Your body mm -hmm. wants good, right relations or skillful relations with other people, with the environment, with the body wants this stuff. It's your mm -hmm. mental construct, and then that mental construct broken down into somatic patterning that you've been talking about, that body's pattern, that mm -hmm. is the work to be done, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. I also took a note here while you were talking um, that the process that we're talking about here is basically, I experienced that as a constant shedding uh, mm. of old beliefs, of resistances, of fear. Uh, resistance, fear, tension is definitely something that I'm going to be talking about a lot in our conversations moving forward because it's one of the most direct ways for me to know that there is tension in um, between my experience of life and the things I believe about it. Um, 
So it's like a very good way for me to tell where I should do some investigation. Um, and I, I think I just I just really like the way that that we've we've set it up or the framework that we're unpacking um, today because now I can really like I can almost visualize like we have this this space and I feel there's actually a lot of people a lot of runners definitely if you're into endurance that have experienced this space because usually when you get so tired that your brain is like hey I'm tuning out then you without noticing fell a fall into this experience and you're like everything makes sense like there's so many people they come back from the long run and they're like my 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 the world can explode and I And then the question is simply, how can you have have more of that without obviously trying to chase it, without trying to force it, without that being the end goal? Um, and then, yeah, running is just one of those one of those practices. How? Why is it that I go out for an, an easy run, or why don't you have that on every run? Can be your question. Can you be your investigation? And then you get to experience what you believe, what you resist, what you're afraid of. I mean, which are all being able to you can all lead all of those lead, you can lead all of those back to to your beliefs and then in that container you just practice you practice you practice and you notice oh wow my experience of running is just increasing i also get physically fitter or whatever mainly to me here it's about how do you experience uh, your relationship with running and then from there on forward it's making the 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 leap to your your life is so natural because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. I always say in, 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 in the, what we do it in the zone, uh, you might not know it when you're in the zone, uh, or I say when you're working with us, but running is our training ground for life. So we know if you change in your relationship with running, you're now also changing in your relationship with life. So that is to me how all of this uh, naturally progresses and all of this naturally extends and how by going so deep into something that, I feel we're all we all have passions and they might be very different but to me it feels like we probably are drawn into things for the same reason even though the subjects and the topics and the specifics are different and it's to experience yourself in relationship with the world around you because it's in that interaction that you experience yourself and that you then also start to get gain more insight into uh, yeah your beliefs and why you're not open all the time. Why do I close, my, close myself off? Why do I repress these emotions? Why do I attach myself to those emotions? So it's, I don't know, man. It's like how uh, all, all of these things come so full circle in such an elegant way. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that what you just said is really instructive to double click on. Your experience of running, no matter what, is you, well, not no matter what, very frequently your experience of running puts you in that state of open awareness. Mm. And it's one of the unique spaces where that happens with relative consistency, especially if you go beyond 30 to 45 minutes of easy running and you don't push too hard and then you kind of allow yourself to be present in that moment. And then it could be, mm -hmm. you know, an hour, two hours, five hours, 12 hours. Never are you in that zone, in that zone or in that feeling state mm -hmm. of open awareness the whole time. But it's mm -hmm. there. Uh, but that that is inner work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So your your, mm -hmm. your insides are working on you. Mm -hmm. I always say that distance running is really unique because it provides 
an altered state of consciousness that is not found so far in any other man-made or natural-made substance. So it's uh, maybe the closest thing is pot or marijuana, right? Mm -hmm. Except pot and marijuana have all this for frequently for many people, myself included, a lot of uh, a lot of neurosis, a lot of mm-hmm. worry and fear, and um, shows up with that. But we know that the body, when it goes beyond about forty an hour to an hour and a half, is already producing more and more endocannabinoids. They, we used to call them endorphins. Now they're they know them to be endocannabinoids. And I like to say, you're getting high on your own supply, right? You're getting mm-hmm. you're getting this experience of being, which is very similar to the the runner the runner's high is a feeling of highness. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a that's a outgrowth, a benefit, a bliss state physically created by our neurochemistry to keep us in this state, to stay in this space. I think because inner work wants to happen, I consider Mm -hmm. it frequently like dreams. Your dreams for me are a pathway to learning more about myself and what I need in real life. And so running is just another dream. It's a dream state. It's, a, it's an altered state of consciousness like dream in which I can learn things about myself inside, inners, my insides. Mm-hmm. Your thinking shifts into a different frame. It's unique from when you're walking or when you're talking or whenever. And I'm not saying it's, it's the best. I'm just saying it's a unique state. Mm-hmm. One that you can count on is consistently there. So in essence, what I'm saying, inner work is what's happening when you're running anyway. So why don't mm-hmm. you lean in? Just lean mm-hmm. into it and then use mm-hmm. it as a way to unpack the rest of your life of the things you want to learn. So I think mm-hmm. this leads us really nicely into our practical application. Um, we weren't really entirely sure how we were going to line this up. But what I'm going to argue mm-hmm. is we just go through these pr- practical things and then mm-hmm. we decide how we put it out there, whether we put it appended at the end of this or we do it as a separate thing. But what we wanted to talk about a little bit was just the core spiritual practices that almost everyone hears about uh, Mm -hmm. is meditation. Mm -hmm. When you're doing inner work, meditation is the mode, Mm -hmm. the method or mode that people use. I've met many runners who do not get meditation. They're not good with meditation. And I argue they are meditating. Mm -hmm. They're just doing it somatically. They're doing it with their body. And that there's Mm -hmm. skillful means to do it with your body too. Mm-hmm. But I don't. That doesn't preclude the need for meditation at some point mm-hmm. in time, mm-hmm. or another way to frame this. This it's not. It's not. It's not exactly the same in my thinking about it. Is contemplation, where meditation is more silence and quiet and allowing, or letting go, or tracking and bringing back to a place. You know, most people who have done meditation they recognize they concentrate on. One thing, the breath is typically a thing, but sometimes people use mantras or other things. And that you concentrate so that you will keep the discursive thought from just flowing and flowing and flowing out. And then you eventually get more and more skillful at that. And then new states of consciousness are available to you that help you dig into these inner states more concretely and clearly and efficiently and effectively. Contemplation is a way of doing that that says, I'm just going to, it's the opposite of meditation, in my opinion. Mm. It's taking Mm -hmm. that same kind of idea of my breath or an idea or a concept and letting it run away. And I think Mm. this is particularly good for running because I think Mm. so often we are toggling between multiple 
attentional pathways, ways of following our attention. We'll be following our breathing for a little while, then we'll pay attention to the road or we'll look at our watch and we're toggling between multiple sensorial experiences. But if you bring yourself back to your contemplation, whatever it is, it is you're thinking about. And in this case, that might be, what do I believe if you're going to go meta and big? But it could be mm-hmm. as small as, how do I feel about this particular topic that doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. need to be about running? But running mm-hmm. offers this unique mental state, this unique mm-hmm. altered attentional state that keeps pushing you into awareness, into this more open, expansive space because of the requirements that are laid out by the body to do the thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And thinking is expensive. Metabolically, Mm -hmm. thinking is the most expensive thing we do as a human being is think. So when the mind quiets, right, because you're running and you get into that awareness state, it's a really good time to then bring a, a, a concept or a key thing to bear, to mind, and to work through mm-hmm. and let allow go, okay? Mm-hmm. For someone mm-hmm. who's like, oh, contemplation, that just seems a little bit weird. I've got another term for you. It's prayer. I have shared this before, but when I was a young boy, my father told me, in our discussion about who Santa Claus was and then who God was and how I could relate the differences. Mm-hmm. In that conversation, we talked about prayer. And I, he said some, I said something about, they say pray without ceasing. I don't understand that. You know, it's pretty heady stuff for a seven or eight-year-old boy, but mm-hmm. it's just where I was at in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my dad said to me, why don't you just try when you're running? Mm-hmm. Because that's one place where you can pray. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, you are gonna cease, but it's a place you wouldn't normally have thought about praying. Why don't you pray there? And I, what a gift! The greatest gift my father ever gave me, beyond life itself, was this mode of consciousness, this mode of thinking that then said that no matter what happened to me for the rest of my life, I could always come back to when I was running. And I just, and what prayer to me is to ask for a thing without an expectation of an answer. Just asking and being in a state of asking, and this is very similar to con- the, the concept of contemplation. But mm. prayer, for many people, links up with a with a with a with a past or a history. For you, it might not so much because for you, it might be like, well, I don't even really know what that is. But for those of us mm-hmm. who were it was beat into us as a young as young people, we know exactly what it's supposed to be. Whether we did it mm-hmm. or not, or we were good at it mm-hmm. or not, didn't matter. But it's just Mm -hmm. asking for what it is you're feeling or sensing in the space. I just think of that as another version of contemplation. So Mm -hmm. what I'm arguing for here is to occasionally, maybe once a week, go into a run with the idea that you'll uh, meditate if that seems to be effective for you. Uh, Most people don't find it that way. Or move into contemplation and or prayer as a mode of engaging with your run. And we can provide some concrete. You, 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 if I provide you a concrete um, problem or prompt, it it won't resonate. That really has to be done, coach to athlete, one to one, or athlete to mm-hmm. themselves. But if you just explore what Kobe and I are talking about, you could even just start with belief. When you go out on a run, on one of your seven runs or five runs or however many runs you do in a week walk out the door and say, I'm going to contemplate or I'm going to think about or I'm going to pray. What do I believe? If you're praying, you probably believe it's going to work. Well, explore that. That's an avenue of exploration. And what's great is 
This is why I think running is so awesome is that you'll go in and you'll come out of it. And when you find yourself thinking about something else, just bring it back to that core question and then let it play out. And don't do it in a way where you beat yourself up or think that you failed or, gosh, I can't keep my attention on anything. Of course not. You're running. You're not going to keep your attention on that one thing that whole time. And in fact, that's not even the goal. But the goal is to then remind yourself to come back. Instead of going off to something random, go back to this core, this core concept or this core prompt and use it and see what happens. I think what you'll find is, A, you'll begin to understand the mechanics of what's going on naturally in you to start, which is helpful. You can start feeling leaning into that potential for contemplation and prayer and meditation to be effective for your running. And you may actually get some answers. Amazingly. There there are there are and there'll be answers, not the right answer necessarily, but there'll be answers that will be unique and different from the answer you'll get when you're sitting down with a pen or a piece of paper or you're driving through town or in the bus thinking about this because you'll be using a particular mode of consciousness, an altered state of consciousness that is your birthright. It is gifted and granted to you and I think is an incredibly efficacious and useful way of moderating that. So, Kobe, what do you have to add to that? I'm sure you've got some ideas around how someone might use that. Or maybe you'll be like, yeah, I disagree, Steve. I think there's a completely mm-hmm. different way to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I would ask you, um, or I feel that for all of these tools, it's also important to understand what you're trying to, what you're trying to, quote unquote, get from it. Like, why are, why are you using that tool in that particular case? Because I feel like for meditation, there's different reasons. Contemplations can have different reasons. So um, maybe let's lay out, like, I don't know if it's going to be like a matrix or something, but like the difference, if you say, uh, I want to, your concern or your concern, your goal is to perform better. Uh, because uh, with everything that we're talking about here, yes, relationship with running and yourself and life is going to change through applying meditation, contemplation, and prayer. But um, it also it might be as simple as I want to be a better runner. Um, you don't always have to go in it with a with a something you're struggling with in your life, even though that can be a second uh, a second topic going into running, using running as something uh, therapeutic in that sense. So um, so maybe. Mm, Let's just try to give some so, some examples. Or um, so let's say someone is uh, noticing that they struggle to really perform when, like, at round Columbia thirty two in the marathon. So it's like your typical. This is very hard. I don't know if I can do this. Like, it's really, as you mentioned before, the pressure is on. All of those beliefs are getting exposed. They bubble up, but it's it's also a lot to contemplate on in that moment. Um, I would dare to say, in that moment, maybe it's better to go to. Uh, meditation and having that basis of meditation. So, but but I'm curious to hear what would you recommend recommend in that moment, and also how do you prepare yourself for that moment based on the the the, the kind of uh, the three different methods that you you mentioned. Wonderful. So the first thing I would say is I'm going to go to the second part of your question because you have to do that first because mm-hmm. not many people yeah. are going to be good at mm-hmm. doing it at mile at you know at at 30 mm-hmm. to 32 k if they haven't mm-hmm. done some work with that. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would say is in training, before you start the run, I might make the intention to say, hey, when I get around this point, and maybe when I get around this point on my run, I'm going to mm-hmm. check in with my feeling state, 
mm-hmm. because I really want to try to feel good for longer or be able to deal mm-hmm. with the discomfort I'm having. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what is that discomfort? So you need to, but mm-hmm. you need to open that question up and then you mm-hmm. probably need a timer of some sort to remind you. Mm-hmm. Or if you mm-hmm. look at your watch and you're an hour and a half in, um, mm-hmm. you can do that. Now, if we want to get into the really big nuts and bolts, I would time that out. Particularly, mm-hmm. I would create a process by which I could count on at least for the first four to five times I did it, that I did it in a certain way consistently mm-hmm. so that I can get into that pattern, that habit mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. it to work so I, so, it, mm-hmm. so it can work on race day. And so, as we said, humans are incredible pattern makers. Patterns aren't Mm -hmm. all bad. It's just, are you Mm -hmm. doing the patterns that will work for you? Are they working Mm -hmm. for you? So we want to create a pattern that says, this is how it operates. So what I would suggest to somebody is, I would would then take the duration of the run. I would only do it on a long run workout. I would only do it on a long run, and I would do it in a long run workout where I'm actually working Mm -hmm. on those things. Because it's not really necessary to do that in a really focused way if you're just going for a long three-hour run. I'll talk about how we might do it that way if we did a long, easy three-hour run. Mm-hmm. That yeah. one you can let unfold a little bit more. That one mm-hmm. you can just let happen. And when you start feeling that negative state, you can go mm-hmm. in and say, so what am I feeling? Is it in my mm-hmm. knees? It is in my ankle? It is in my hip? And you want to mm-hmm. internal, you want to you you get to the root of it. But if we're doing mm-hmm. it in a workout, I might say, okay, I'm at this point. What is my feeling state? Because this is the mm-hmm. thing. I think really what we're trying to train the person to doing is to being good at assessing variable feeling states, mm-hmm. minimizing their negative impact on our nervous system to mm-hmm. close down and protect for mm-hmm. fear that we're not going to be able to meet the next challenge down the road. Yeah. We talked about this in that episode, in the last episode, where I think mm-hmm. that much of what's going on in a marathon happens after 30K and that the nervous mm-hmm. system starts to shut people down. And I use the mm-hmm. argument about going to gratitude and openness, but this mm-hmm. is actually more useful because that's just dealing with the state that you're in at the time you run into that state. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about here is actively engaging at a key point to assess mm-hmm. where you are, good or bad, positive or negative in the feeling state, and then what's happening. So you just want to get good at noticing. You need to be mm-hmm. good at bringing your attention to it and then being capable with it. Mm-hmm. And then because what you're saying at that point is, Okay, and then what? Then I might argue, what was the explicit intention of that you set for this? Was it just to be engaged with the feeling state? Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's really, really high level, but not very salient. And for many people, they'll be like, okay, I got there. Or some mm-hmm. people will be like, I can never get there. It usually is mm-hmm. one or the other. Either people are like, well, yeah, you don't have to ask. I feel really good or I feel really bad. Some people feel like I feel blah. I'm not sure what mm-hmm. I feel. And most of those folks are the folks who really disassociate when they run which is a really effective skill set until it's no longer effective and you get thrown into association. Disassociation is never really a place you want to be. You, it really very rarely works as a, as a psychological strategy. What you really want to do is just being varying levels of attention, of varying levels of paying, being associated with what's going on. Not that you want to constantly focus on it. So let's go back to that example. Maybe I would intend to say at, at 30K or at this duration into that run, I'm going to be hitting this particular rep. I'm expecting to be tired. How do I, how do I create a correct relationship? This is what I would argue with my athlete. How do I, how do I work on getting a good relationship with that suffering? Mm-hmm. Because from my point of view, suffering's coming no matter what. Mm-hmm. 
I use this, and I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you've listened to it, the amazing Rich Roll podcast with Courtney DeWalter and her discussion of mm-hmm. the pain cave, which mm-hmm. is some of the greatest media I've ever experienced in the last five years. It, it was it was summer of 2022. There's an interview with Rich Roll to Courtney, and she talks about this pain cave. And for so long, she was trying to avoid the pain cave, figure out all the ways that she could get into a place of not being in the pain cave. And yet she was always there, eventually got there. Mm-hmm. And it just created greater and greater levels of distress until she began to realize that the pain cave was the point. Mm-hmm. Like that's what mm-hmm. that's the space you're trying to get to. So if we know that's going to happen in the marathon, then we should say, okay, that's the point. So what am I feeling? So how, how do I deal with my feeling state? Or how do I relieve a negative feeling state? Is there a mm-hmm. way while I'm running at this point, if my hips are sore, can I, can I change my mechanics? So maybe the first time you go through it, it's just purely and simply a assessing. And then when you finish mm-hmm. the run, take notes about what you assessed. Then the next time you do it, you say, you know, really what I'm finding is c- consistently my knees and my hips are aching. And so I was, as a coach, I would be like, well, let's try a little change of biomechanics. Maybe we accelerate into a turn. Maybe we, if you're on a trail, maybe you run a little harder uphill or you run a little harder downhill. You just change the pattern and see if that change pattern change creates a different somatic experience. Um, and then you just play with various things to say, let's see what can work and what might not work. And then realize that anything you jettison along the way might be useful later. So don't just throw it all the way away. Just tuck it away that you don't have to deal with it. But this requires taking notes. This requires setting an intention, actively engaging. I mean, there's a lot of steps to this, Kobe, right? It's like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? Well, we need a systematic approach that does something like that. Um, whereas what I'm talking about with contemplation is much more along the lines of saying, let's let's work with a problem or a challenge that we think is important in our lives. And I know you said, well, maybe that's not where we're going. I think that that's actually a separate activity. I think learning to relieve negative feeling states or or accepting negative feeling states, you know, I think there's two modes with that, are a particular process that I wouldn't necessarily place in the category of um, meditation, contemplation, or prayer. I would put those more as uh, skillful means for creating outcomes that I'd like to have or to full this, pull this full circle is, which I think is the ultimate aim of it, leaning into the natural feeling state that's coming on board here that I'm, my body wants to learn, is learning to deal with. Because I'm going to do it again. I'm going to run 30K. I'm going to run 42K. And I'm going to be here. So I should just basically not necessarily try to plan. This is one of the things that I think is challenging is so many people will try to plan it all out and pattern it all out. And then as soon as the pattern goes off, they're haywire. Rather than mm-hmm. leaning into the natural uncertainty and the feeling state that says what it is is okay. But that takes practice. And I think that mm-hmm. that's where this idea of prayer and contemplation and meditation are really useful. So I'm, what I'm going to do on this run is when I get to pain, I'm going to relate with it skillfully, whatever that is. And there's a lot here around talking to our bodies, communicating with our bodies, treating our bodies not as a problem but as the solution that, you know, immediately already in this conversation, I'm like, well, there's seven different ways you could do it. You know? mm-hmm. So hopefully what we've done is bring people's attention that there's, a good reason for doing this. Cause I'm sure people are like, Ooh, this is kind of interesting. Um, 
But I think for this first episode, what I would prefer people to think about if they did utilize it is just trying to engage in the natural state or, or find what a natural state is or engage with beliefs, what they, what they factor for beliefs and how they're operating from beliefs from a meta level, from a bigger picture level, and then just let it sit and then let it go and then try to come back to it after 10 minutes or so and then let it go. And then bring to it and let it go. Um, I use this process in teaching people how to gain toggle between what I call attention and awareness, which I think are the two primary consciousness modes of uh, most humans. But actually in athletics, it's extremely useful to know that both of these are essential, but they're just better utilized at different times. Sometimes utilizing attention is really useful and beneficial. Other times moving into awareness is better. Uh, and I think we'll probably unpack that as a separate episode altogether. Mm -hmm. But I do mm -hmm. think what I've tried to do here at least is say, there's a couple different ways you can do it. There's means and methods. Explore. Like what we talked about at the beginning, your statement was, okay, we've got these ideas, but really what you want to do is take this concept and play with it. Put it out on a run. See what you do with mm -hmm. it. So how would how would you approach this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, I need more specificity. How would I, how would I approach what? How would you approach this more specific method or a way to handle that thirty k mark or mm -hmm. the thirty two k mark? What would be mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. relationality yeah. to meditation or or cool. or prayer or contemplation? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm just gonna share how how I approach uh, how I approach this constantly. I mean, it's just the way that I do my interval workouts. It's, it's the way I do my long runs. So it's um, um, it's again the way I do one thing is the way I do everything. So when I get to that 32 kilometer mark in a race, I just that's just how I will naturally deal with that with that discomfort with the pain. So uh, to me, it's all about or the way I would describe that experience is that when you do something hard, there's um, hard means usually means a, a, an experience a feeling state that you're not um uh, that you're not familiar with that you're not comfortable with so heart just is again subjective and it means it's just something that your nervous system isn't open to yet because as soon as you uh, start to practice as soon as you just start to become aware of a sensation is the moment that um you're you start to practice stopping to resist that very specific heart sensation. So the thing that happens is that you drop the habit of repressing it, of of uh, putting res of, of resisting it, and then now all of a sudden it's just a sensation. It is not a heart. It is not anything special. And I can now run in my run again to the thing that you were mentioning earlier. Is this real? That wasn't a real limit. It was just my perception of that sensation unconsciously that that's where my limit was at. But as soon as I start to become, I practice and it's a practice again and again and again and again. And then after doing it like a thousand times, all of a sudden it's gonna, my subconscious is going to register this sensation as safe. Now it's got to be open to that sensation. And now I realize, oh, wow, that's not where my limit was at after all. And I can much more freely explore my actual physiological limits. I can explore where I actually run out of energy, where my, where my legs are actually so trashed that they cannot produce the, uh, the, the force that I need to be continuing at that 18 kilometer uh, an hour pace. So it is 
it is, then I can say, wow, this is real. I am actually so quiet. There's no resistance. There's no stories. There's just the unfolding of this physiological experience and my, my body is just toast. Um, and that is, um, that is something that you can ex- you experience in a very different way than this is hard. This is hard usually comes with uh, freaking out, an anxiety, a fear, uh, a big story of this is not okay, it's not safe, I'm going to miss my goal. There's like there's a lot of restlessness in that experience. Is that um, experience, when, let's say that you're in that state of hard, how mm-hmm. often can you not change it? Does it, does it, are you now at the point that you're able to almost always get right, have skillful means in terms of adjusting it and getting back into that state? Um, I, I definitely wouldn't say I, I always shift out outside of it. It's like, uh, honestly, I don't, again, going back to, and I feel this is also going to be an entirely separate, uh, episode. Like as soon as we start to expect to move beyond a certain state, it's, it's, it's like the, the main inhibitor from getting into the different states. But actually while I'm mentioning this, I'm also just so much more fine with, um, with having these new sensations, hard sensations. It's almost like the fact something is hard is it's now wired in me that it no longer scares me. It's usually excites me. So it's like, it's, it becomes a very meta, very meta. It's like a new pattern that is wired on top of the, uh, the other patterns. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that what we should do in our next episode is each unpack our mode and method for using this mm-hmm. with athletes. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that would be really helpful yeah. because you, what you're mm-hmm. describing in your experience is already you're pretty skillful with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you utilize this model in your training to help people get through this, what are the steps mm-hmm. that folks can take to get there? Mm-hmm. I have yeah. a protocol. I have a specific protocol that I use with my athletes um, mm-hmm. that we I train. I, I, have, a, I have a full I don't always, I always bring it to my athletes' attention that this resource is available for them, but they have to go work with that resource because it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's in a, it, it's a podcast I created and it's only, a, a, it's only available for the people who train in my group. But I think that this is something that would be really interesting to hear both of our takes on how we would do that and then mm-hmm. see where the overlap is. So maybe mm-hmm. our next episode is one of these shorter episodes that we've been talking mm-hmm. about. And it's like, mm-hmm what we're hoping to do is then bring you skillful means or practices that you can take that would allow you to get into this state. And ultimately both of us are looking for something that's exploratory or a mm-hmm. gratitude state or a felt sense experience. That's truly, uh, open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. You want to take that on? Do you want to, you want to make that our next, our next call? There's a, maybe a 20, 30 minute, you take 10 minutes, I take mm-hmm. 10 minutes and then we go through 10 minutes of, yeah. of sort of walking through the, our differences and our approaches and how that works. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we yeah. can tie it up in kind of a, of a, of a bow of saying, okay, here's one, here's one thing that's available to you to try to utilize in this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that will help us get a little grounding also as we're, exploring Mm -hmm. the format that we're using here because Mm -hmm. one thing to share with everyone who's still listening we're exploring this ourselves Mm -hmm. knowing or believing it to be important for others 
but mm-hmm. we don't know, nor do we believe we know, the actual best way to do it. So, yeah, yeah. so we're exploring the podcast format as a way of sharing mm-hmm. these kinds of things with folks. Yeah. So you got mm-hmm. we, you know, we talked about uh, what we what we kind of consider spiritual or spirit. We talked about how belief plays in and is important and is essential to how we structure and pattern thinking and thoughts and actions in the world. And then we unpacked the idea of meditation, uh, contemplation and prayer. And then we quickly began to realize as we were placing them into practical applications that best brought those practical applications in their own container for mm-hmm. easier consumption in the future. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that this will relate necessarily to contemplation, meditation, and prayer. Maybe mm-hmm. that'll just be something we pick up later on. But I think this is is something I really want. I know that both of us really want to provide pragmatic, mm-hmm. practical applications of mm-hmm. this yeah. mode of figuring or considering running mm-hmm. as being as a way to, A, have a better performance, and B, mm-hmm. get do inner work. Do that mm-hmm. in, inner work of mm-hmm. of being more spiritual or more whatever you want to call it. Being mm-hmm. better at being you, whatever that mm-hmm. is, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that you, in, in the end, just start to have a much more free experience of running, just a much more yeah, liberated, open, peaceful, whatever word that you feel resonates with it at your at the deepest level. Um, this is is just what naturally is going to happen when you start to do that 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 inner work. Um, and um yeah i i, I want to piggyback on the thing that you were saying where we were exploring this this this, this uh format of the podcast because uh one thing i just i want to put out and i'm going to put out put it out consistently is that i would love uh for you listening to just share uh examples share stories share questions um because i feel the more that we can just answer questions i think you would do really well uh both in that format and that's just the best way for us to make it um, specific um, and uh, I mean even if the questions don't come uh, I am gonna anonymous, anonymous, I can anonymously share uh, 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 cases of, of people that I have worked with and things that they uh, go through because I know how there's actually there's just a very limited amount of um, specific patterns that a lot of people in running uh, experience so I think we can also address it from that way but I would I would definitely love for people to send in their questions, um, uh, do it anonymously or unanonymously, whichever way you you prefer. But I would definitely, uh, definitely love that. Um, yeah, I, I just I just love the the framework that we've laid out here, Steve. I think it's uh, I'm, I'm curious to see. I'm, I know for sure that we're gonna start to um, add different perspectives, and that we're always gonna we're we're gonna have so many more ways to point to this one. A uh, specific experience that we both love so so dearly, um, but I feel that already in this conversation, and it's something that I'm deeply grateful for, um, that I'm also coming to a better understanding of what what I'm doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing at at, at in the zone, uh, because basically, I I picked a name and I didn't know why I picked that name for in the zone, but. In the zone is just the way that runners would usually describe this experience of expansiveness, openness, peacefulness. Like the world is fine, I'm fine, I love this, and I have so much to give. And and then just running and in the zone just happens to be our vehicle for exploring that space. What is preventing me from standing in that space with every step I, that I take? 
and then seeing that as I mean we I have this 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 uh, this slogan that I want to also weave into more of what we do at in the zone it's running is our religion and that is also how I feel then we can practice things in running that we can then translate to our everyday life um, and so uh, I, I'm happy that's al already something that I'm that I am taking away personally from our uh, conversations and that I I'm just gonna start to use more and more as a as a framework because it's actually not as complex as I thought it was. It's actually pretty straightforward. And for anyone who knows that or knows who's who has the itch that there's something more to be experienced in this life, that's actually pretty yeah, then an obvious this is an obvious conversation or an obvious uh series of conversations to to be listening to them. I agree. I agree. And you know, this whole com these conversations started out with me asking questions to Kobe. So mm -hmm. feel free to reach out to us. You can reach me via email is the best way to get me. I'm at Sisson S I S S O N at Telos running T E L O S R U N N I N G and tell people how it's best to get in touch with you, Kobe. How, what's yeah. your, what's your best way to get in touch with you? The best way is still on Instagram. That's in the zone dot coaching. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I check that several days a week. So, uh, that's the best way cool. for you guys to reach me. Awesome. Well, again, we're, we're, we will probably take us a few episodes to get our true pattern down, but that one was interesting and it, it's kind of mm -hmm. how we laid it out, but turns yeah. out it, it, it'll, it'll morph. And of course we said, oh, it'll just be an hour and no, it's an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the it, way it, it works. Had, it had to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's the way it works. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Well, thank you, Kobe. And thank you, listeners. Uh, we will be releasing these out. Well, I don't need to tell you that. So you'll, you've already heard mm -hmm. it. <laughs> you heard it wherever you heard it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Any last words? Anything else you want to share? No, uh, I'm good. I'm just looking forward to, uh, to our next conversation and to hearing the first questions. Yeah, me too. All right, folks. Godspeed. We'll talk soon. Bye.